That Wellbeing at Work show is brought to you by Body Boost, the well-being engagement platform that employees actually use. Find out more at bodyboost.co.uk. Like we've we've had this lie that's been told to us about work-life balance. Like somehow these are two plates that are spinning on you know one hand, like a left hand and a right hand. We got these plates spinning. Yeah, it's just a con. There is no such thing as work-life balance. It's never been work-life balance. It's been work-life integration. Welcome to that Wellbeing at Work show. I'm Chris Taylor, your show host. Are candidates who are job hunting naive in expecting that every organisation frames well-being in exactly the same way? Is it fair to categorise organisations infamous for their long hours cultures as bad or toxic? This week's guest argues against this widely accepted orthodoxy. His opinion is that instead of the onus being on the employer to change their culture to fit the candidate, the candidate should instead seek roles that offer the work-life integration they desire. William Tinkup is the president and editor-at-large of Recruiting Daily, the world's number one online site for recruitment content. William is at the intersection of work and technology. He's a writer, speaker, advisor, consultant, investor, podcaster and storyteller. William serves on the board of 20-plus HR technology startups, and he's been writing about HR and recruiting-related issues for longer than he cares to disclose. Lastly, the purpose of this show has always been to look under the bonnet of well-being and challenge some of the accepted norms. If you disagree with William, tell us why. We'd love to hear from you, but first, have a listen. Um, William, thanks very much for, for joining today. It's a great pleasure to have you. Um, now, you, through what you do in recruiting daily, I mean, you you must see and hear of all these organisations that are doing all of these amazing things in terms of looking after their employees. And I was just thinking a little bit about, again, about the cost of living um, issues that... Do you see lots of organisations now sort of putting their hands in their pocket and actually helping their employees through what is going to be perhaps quite a difficult time? If they don't, they they do it at their own peril. Right. So I think that what you see in financial wellness, in particular, uh, student loan relief, uh, uh, a movement in uh, daily pay, mm-hmm. which is really, really interesting outside of hourly workers, uh, professional workers, accountants, lawyers, uh, you know, uh, people that are paid in salary being able to tab out at the end of their day. Uh, which is really fascinating. Uh, right. You're seeing a lot of money being spent, and uh, rightfully so, in mental health, um, and making sure people have, you know, the the resources either either uh, through EAPs or or just other benefit packages to make sure that people have what they need. Uh, but but you know, if I were an HR leader, HRD. I would look at this and say this is a wonderful opportunity to actually go deeper into the employee life and give them the tools and resources needed to be successful, not just at work, but at life. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I think if, if you look at this as, a, as an opportunity to really, truly retain top talent, you start looking at different ways and different programmatically. Like I, I talked to a company yesterday, it's uh, it was called PTO Exchange, and I'm not plugging them. I'm just just the idea of uh, PTO the, the the days that you're allotted to have off hmm. in the United States. So let's say it's four weeks, and what they do is they basically put a sum 
next to a value on those days and you can trade those days. Wow. So you can trade those days for other like pay or you can trade those for uh, trade those in for financial services. Uh, like, like take these two weeks that you were going to give me and pay down some of my student debt. That's a really interesting concept. <laughs> so, <laughs> so like I, you know, of course I'm talking to the, one of the co-founders. I'm like, this is just such a great idea. Why, you know, what's the downside? Hmm. And there is no downside. It's, it's just understanding the legal and the accounting part of it, because those are, it's an accrual. Uh, days off or an accrual, it's a liability on the books. Yes. And if people don't take them, then that's actually money that goes back to the company, which mm. is kind of a real dark way of looking at days off. Uh, you know, there's a real cynical part of this that basically, if you don't take your days off, the company's not unhappy about that. Absolutely not. <laughs> I mean, here, I mean here. I mean, in, in most employment contracts, I mean, if you if you don't take your allotted, you lose it. You lose it. Um, That's right. But, yeah, you can carry over some of it, but it's you know. But even then, is it's restricted to normally sort of until the you know the following right. year, first three months of the following year. So on their books and in accounting, that's money that was accounted for as as a liability. Yeah, exactly. And if you don't take it, that's money that goes right back to the bottom line. Yeah. Millions, uh, millions of dollars to a firm just goes back because you didn't take your days off. That's sad. It's <laughs> very sad. But I mean, do, do you think that, that sometimes some comes down to the culture of the organisation? So therefore, if the leader is, you know, getting in at quarter to four every single morning and never takes a day off, that actually everyone else around him or her is terrified also of taking their annual leave. Again, yes, uh, you, you know, leaders that lead in that way. Uh, I think that's kind of a bit of an older model in, in the sense of, uh, you, you know, here's how I show work ethic. Mm. Uh, I show work ethic by being the first in, last out, and I expect that of others. Well, if you pay everybody the same amount that you pay yourself, okay, fair enough. Mm. But if, if you're not paying everyone like you pay yourself, then you shouldn't expect them to be the first in and first out. But worse than that is you're not thinking about the whole human being. Hmm. Like we've, we've had this lie that's been told to us about work life balance. Like somehow <laughs> these are two plates they are spinning on, you know, one hand, like a left hand and a right hand. We got these plates spinning. Hmm. Yeah. It's just a con. There is no such thing as work life balance. It's never been work life balance. It's been work life integration. I'm glad you said that because someone said to me the other day, and it was. Um, I can be quite cynical. No, but, no, 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 no. And he's very cynical, and he did okay, a TED okay. talk, and he had like it's got six million views of it. And he said it doesn't exist, and he said it's all about no. the category norm. So he said, if you're going to work in an investment bank, don't be so moronic and arrogant to think that you're not going <laughs> to do less than eighteen hours a day. Oh, because 100%. that you know, because that's that is the category norm. Exactly. That's the job. If you don't want to be, a, if you don't like being hit in the head, don't be a boxer. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, and he said, you know, I don't like it how they hit me in the head. Like, no, well, no, I don't like either. But you, you know, got in the ring. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But he said, look, you, you know, if if you want, you know, really nice hours and, and and everything else, and be able to pick the kids up and do everything else, you know, yeah. be a part time librarian. You probably That's will right. get it. Oh, you'll absolutely get it, and and it doesn't have to be that extreme. Like uh, the Wall, uh, not the Wall Street. The New York Times wrote an article a couple of years ago about how Amazon's culture was bad. Yeah, and I thought it was, I thought it was just terrible uh, in the way that they portrayed Amazon. 
And in, in a way that, because culture outside of toxicity and things that are illegal or maybe even immoral, um, cultures aren't bad or good. Cultures either fit you or don't fit you. Mm-hmm. And so you can say that Amazon's culture is bad for you. Yeah, now that's a true statement. That, that could be a true statement. But Amazon's culture, if you look at it, is exactly the same culture as Wall Street. Yeah. It's 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 a shark infested waters and it's 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 they expect you to work hard, meritocracy. And uh, and it's the best idea wins, and uh, they expect you know, you know eighteen to twenty hours a day. That's yeah, that's their culture, but that's not a bad culture. That's just that's what you sign up for when you sign up to go to work for Amazon. That's mm. that's that's the gig. Uh, if you don't want to do that, don't apply to a job <laughs> at, no. at Amazon. <laughs> no, no, we've forgotten that though, haven't we? Or yep. lots of people have forgotten that. That actually, yep. you know, the culture has to be, you know, we're all expecting it to be just nice. And mm. sometimes, as you say, it's not a, it's not a bad culture. It's just that's how it is there, right? And it and it could be bad for you, yeah. And it may be bad for you at this stage in your life, like yeah. like okay, you you've got you're taking care of uh, two uh, elderly parents, and eighteen hours just isn't. That's just not going to work for you. It's not that you can't put it in. You could, and you you might even want to, but it's just not going to work. Well, then look for something different. Or look for something that balances out work and life and actually um it, you know integrates those things in a way it says hey listen we care about the outputs of work when if you need to take off during the middle of the day who cares yeah take off during the middle of the day yeah. just we care about the outputs of work um then you you'd, you'd actually seek those things out if you're frustrated that not enough of your people take advantage of the well-being resources you've put in place for them then look no further than Body Boost. Our unique body system and community features are the magic ingredients which get people to team up and form healthy habits together. And they have a lot of fun along the way too. Download case studies from our website or email us on info at bodyboost.co.uk Interesting enough, Millennials and Gen Z are doing a better job of sussing those questions out in the recruitment <laughs> process. Completely. So that I find fascinating because they're actually asking more uh, kind of driven, HR-driven questions in recruiting, like how does this work? You know, if I if I want to actually get my master's degree, or if I want to do this, and or, or in the middle of the day I want to go play frisbee, you know, is that okay? You know, they're asking those types of questions about work-life integration, and I think those are great questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think HR is ready for a lot of those questions, but but I, I think those are great questions to ask before you get yourself too far into a recruitment process. Yeah, I wonder what's given that generation the confidence, because those questions were always there. With that, we just yeah. that the, the, the just that the generations before never asked them. Well, I think you know they've 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 been through the ringer. Uh, they've, they've had a lot of, I mean, we've all, every generation kind of goes through ups and downs, right? But mm-hmm. I think this, this pandemic, especially if the pandemic were something that kind of mm, came and went, you know, okay, it was a six month bit, um, then I don't think it would have had as lasting of an effect, but because it's lingered for so long and hurt so many people, 
I think it's actually really put left an indelible mark on this generation. And, and I think that they're, they're really, they think about life differently. They think about work differently and they're not willing, like they're not willing to commute. So, so, so a concept that maybe you or I would have looked at and said, Oh, okay, it's a 30 minute commute. It's not that big a deal. You know, just get on the, get on the train or, or, or whatever. That's not that big a deal. They'll look at that and go, yeah, uh, I'm not gonna do that. Hmm. I'll just I'll just work from home. I can do that job from home. And now they know that they can do that job from home. Hmm. Like we've taught them through we've taught we taught ourselves. We can do most of these jobs from home. So why commute? But if work isn't a place, which I don't think it is, so you mm-hmm. can work from home, it doesn't matter, you know, it really doesn't matter. Is there a is there a movement in the States for people to return to the office? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah, it's darkness. Uh, and a lot of it is driven by a lot of the larger tech companies because they still believe in kind of the World War II command and control uh, boomer kind of leadership mentality of I have to see you work to believe that you're working. Mm-hmm. And so they'll, they'll hide it behind, oh, this is about collaboration and culture. And this is the way that we do things. We want to be together. We have these large offices at Apple and Google and Facebook, et cetera. We spent all this CapEx on building these lavish, you know, kind of ego-driven boxes mm-hmm. because we're going to then say this is our culture. Uh, truth is, is that's not culture. Culture is how you treat people. And, and not in a box, but just how you treat them in general uh, and, and how you support them in times of need and, and, and also in times where things are when they're thriving. And so I think the return to work is going to be driven largely by a lot of large tech companies where they want people to be back in the office. And I think they're going to do it at their own peril. Mm. You know, I think that that's because I think that the, the, the revolution that, that happens is the revolution of talent saying, mm, yeah, not going to work that way. And now what? <laughs> you can't just throw money at it. Wall Street learned this very kind of earlier in the pandemic. Wall Street came out and said, you know, we'll just double their salary. And that didn't work. Mm-hmm. Literally, if Wall Street can, and Wall Street can throw money at it, if Wall Street can throw money at it and it still doesn't work, Facebook and Google they have the panache of of uh, of having you know uh, your their name on your on your resume or on your LinkedIn profile. That's great. Younger generations don't care about that as much. No, we no. live in interesting times, William, don't we? <laughs> we do. It's fascinating, yeah. uh, and it's you know the ground beneath us is moving, which is great. It's unsettling for uh, I think the recruitment and HR communities because we don't know kind of where it's going to set. And I think we need to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Mm. And I also think that the concept of radical flexibility uh, is is something we have to embrace, where we just become more flexible about everything. Mm. Uh, our approach to recruiting talent, retaining talent, engaging talent, we just become really flexible. And lastly, William, I mean, are you optimistic or pessimistic, do you think, about the future of, of work, the world of work? I'm optimistic uh, in the sense of I think uh, what's what I like about what I'm seeing is it's employee and candidate driven in the sense of if you want talent, you literally have to play 
at their level in the way that they want to play. Hmm. And I don't think that air gets goes back in the bottle. I think now that people feel that feel enabled in that way, I just why go backwards? I mean, if you're talented, again, I think even if you're moderately talented, <laughs> <laughs> I put myself in that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, tell them squarely right in the middle of that one. <laughs> if you're moderately talented, then you know why why work any other way? Why would you go back to a cubicle? And I I think that's not just the super talented, but it always had options. You know, the, the, the elite uh, amongst us that always have had had options. I think it's even people that are in that band of mediocre. I think (laughs) they look at, at that and go, I'm not, I don't need to go back to a cubicle. Well, I'm going to have to go back to my cubicle now. William Tinkup, (laughs) (laughs) William Tinkup. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you for having me on the show, Chris. Appreciate you. Thank you for listening to that Wellbeing at Work show. To listen to more episodes and to find out more on how Body Boost can drive engagement in your wellbeing programs, go to our website or email us on info at bodyboost.co.uk.